0: It's Friday, January twenty second, 2021, and this is the first episode of the Reds Unrestricted podcast from Big Heads Media. After Liverpool's Anfield unbeaten run, which had lasted nearly four years, was ended by Burnley, we try to explain how they've gone from a 7-0 win to a four-game scoring drought. We'll also try and look at the bigger picture of plots Liverpool before proposing our starting 11s for the FA Cup trip to Manchester United at the weekend. For podcasts about every Premier League team and some of the top clubs in Europe, go to bigedgemedia.com. My name is David Comerford, and I'm joined, as I will be every week, by my co host, Dan Club. Dan, I don't know, I know we discussed this, if we're starting the podcast at a good time, because we've got a lot of important issues to discuss, obviously, or whether it's actually a terrible time because Liverpool have pretty much started the year in in relegation form. What do you reckon?
1: You've got to think it was a good time. Um, As as easy as it would be not to do so. Um, Like you say, we've got a lot to discuss. Um, And I like to think we'll look back on the opening days of our podcast is being momentous for all the right reasons, um, and hopefully we come through this relegation form on the other side in a much better place.
0: Well, that's that's the positive attitude we all need, I think. Um, and our very our very first guest for the podcast is is Matt Addison, who's a journalist for the Liverpool Echo. Um, thanks for coming on, Matt. I'm gonna go straight in with with a hard-hitting question. So, how did it feel to wake up this morning and realise that last night wasn't a nightmare?
2: Yeah, thanks for having me on, lads. I mean, as you say, it's a it's a difficult time, isn't it, for Liverpool fans at this moment in time? For the first time in a long time, we have to to point that out. But uh, yeah, the, this morning you, you do you wake up, don't you? And just as you wake up, you've got those first few seconds where you think. What happened, what happened last night, where am I? And then you go, ah, oh, yeah, that. And it, it it's one of them. I, I've tried to sort of explain what's happened, try to, to work out where it's all gone wrong for Liverpool. And pretty much the answer is is everywhere, isn't it? You look at, at every single player. There was something that they did wrong, I thought, over the last few well, the, the games, not not just last night, the, the, the sort of run that Liverpool are on at this moment in time. I thought Alisson Becker was the the one shining light, but even he last night. You know gives away a penalty and you know doesn't doesn't look his usual self in that particular moment. But yeah, all across the pitch, you, you're struggling to, to pick out many positives at this moment in time. And as I say, it's a it's a weird feeling because we've been so used to, to speaking on podcasts and, and writing and doing all of our, our usual stuff on you know how brilliant are Liverpool, how many you know goals have they scored, how many crosses have been perfect you know, every single element for for the past two years or so has been absolutely spot on. And yeah, this morning, it's just a a really weird feeling because Liverpool are are dreadful at the moment. There's no other way of going about it. And you're sort of, for the first time in a long time, I think, really dreading a game at the weekend, because if Liverpool play what they have been playing like on Sunday, they'll get absolutely battered.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. It is. It is just a, a strange feeling at the moment. And, um, from from my point of view, every game since West Brom, I've predicted how oh, Liverpool will get back to winning ways in in this game. Um, especially the Man United game, I thought we were going to come out and you know put three goals past them or something as a real statement. But it just seems to be getting worse, honestly. Before it gets better, um, but we will we will come to discuss really where we think it's gone wrong for Liverpool anyway. Um, so one thing that we're going to try to do when we record a match reaction episode like this is a three-word match review. So I've actually, I'll admit that I've stolen this idea from another podcast, but we should be okay. So let's see how it goes. Um, Dan, let's let's start with yours. Um, give us your three-word review of the match.
1: Yeah, so I've got unrecognisable, um, but that's been the case for a couple of weeks, um, worrying because probably last night I admitted the first time that the title looks potentially beyond us and that's not easy to say and third um and finally Origi because oh my god that mess (sighs) way to start with that it was awful so yeah unrecognizable worrying and Origi for me this week so
0: let's let's talk it's a good review um let's talk about the Origi chance. Um, I I'm not sure about singling out players because, I, as Matt said, every, you know the levels dropped across the board, Even Allison, who hasn't faltered that's all pretty much, made the mistake yesterday. I think the penalty was a bit soft, but it was a mistake. Mm. So again, whether we whether we should you know be putting too much criticism on him, I'm not sure. I mean, I said yesterday that I didn't think he deserved to start the game, and I stand by that now, but. I wonder, do you think he tried to be too precise with the finish? I think it was as if he was trying to bend it into the top right corner. And then when you saw the replay, especially the camera that was sort of behind the it looked like he had he didn't need to go for the spectacular finish. He had quite a lot of goal to at.
1: Yeah, he did. Um he was definitely a bit too ambitious for the situation. I mean, he had he had Sadia Mane like up alongside him as well. Um And you're right about singing out players because as Matt touched upon across the board really for a few weeks now it's been it's been quite abject Um, and you could go along each and every single player and pick out something they've not done to the usual high standards but when you come to Origi it's been a long time now um, since he's done anything really of positive note and he actually started the game okay yesterday but when we're in the rut we are and you get presented that chance, because he was presented it, you have to score. you know, And that, that could change everything. That could change the course of that match. It could change the course of our form. When you're one-on-one as a striker, of, of some level like Origi is, you, you can't really not score. Whether it's him or, or Mane who ends up finishing, you can't waste that opportunity like, like he did.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a fair point. And I, I was saying to, to my mates yesterday that, um, I thought Origi should have squared it, and that was my initial reaction when I stood up and shouted at the TV. But, you know, they, they sort of replied, Oh, well, Mane was a few yards behind him. He probably didn't see him, and he's a striker, so he's going to shoot. But my attitude was, you know, there's two of you bearing down on goal. If Origi takes an extra touch, I think he's got a simple square ball to Mane for the tapping. But obviously, you know, you replay the scenario in your head, and you, you, you could see how to do it differently maybe it's different in the heat of the moments um, but anyway let's move on to, to Matt's three word review what what did you go for Matt?
2: Yeah I've gone slightly different to be honest <clears throat> I think there's a few different ways that, that you could have gone with it to be fair um, there's a few different adjectives that you could use to describe Liverpool but I went for, for nowhere near top um, three words that, that follow on from, from one another and just looking at the situation, really, for Liverpool, if Man City win the game in hand, that's seven points behind that Liverpool. Be I think looking at Manchester City's fixtures over the next sort of month or so, I think we're going to see really what Liverpool are made of. Now they have to to turn it around very quickly. My my review is almost based on on the result and, and the result only last night. It, it's more a case of looking at it and thinking, well, Manchester City. I think have got four Premier League games between now and when Liverpool play them uh, in the middle of next month, they could easily win all of those. And I think that would put them into a run of having won 10 Premier League games on the spin. And Liverpool are going to have to to try and match that because they're already going to be seven points behind, potentially. You know, how many more points do you want to be behind at, at that point by the time you play them next month? I mean, if you're looking Five, six, seven points. I think you can just about get away with that. A win over them next month, which is you, you know straight back into contention. But anything more than that, and I think that the title race is is pretty much over. So, yeah, that was that was my thinking in terms of you know it, it looks a long way off Liverpool being top of the table at this moment in time. Things can can change quickly, of course, but they can also you know change quickly in in a negative way as well. And I just I fear for Liverpool over the next few weeks because they've got some very difficult fixtures. And if it looks like it's starting to slip away at this point, you know, in another few weeks' time, it it could be, you know, a a very different situation. Um, And, of course, that can go one or two ways, as I say. It could be a case that Liverpool are right back up there. They play a few of their teams around them. They win all of those games and they're right back in contention. But it could be the other way. And it it could be that in a month's time, you know, you guys on podcasts and, and myself and loads of others were all talking about, you know, a situation when Liverpool are, are having to scrap it out for the top four. So I think, yeah, my my review is almost based on, on my fears going forward rather than the actual game itself. But yeah, certainly the, the result last night I think was you know the, the worst I have felt out of, of all of this run, not least because it was the last in the in the little series of, of poor performances.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's a fair point. I like that review as well because um nowhere near top sort of has a double meaning in that nowhere near the top of the league and also nowhere near top form, really. And I guess, as you say, we just have to hope probably a bit naively that we sort of recover form as quickly as we lost it. And maybe, maybe that's possible, but it is, it is worrying and the future is more uncertain really than it's felt in, in quite a long time. Um, for my for my review uh, i kept it quite simple i just went with i hate football um <laughs> because i mean there's there's sort of a there's different types of fans when it comes to a defeat and there's fans who spend a lot of time on social media um when liverpool lose and that's fair enough because you know they've got their own ideas on what went wrong they want to share them um and they want to hear what everyone else has to say but for me during a run of results like this, I just find myself wanting to pretend that football doesn't exist. Um, so I guess it's ideal that we're recording the podcast at nine o'clock the next morning. But um, you know, there's an argument going around that football's just generally a bit rubbish this season. Um, I'm not; I don't fully subscribe to that idea. I think there's been some some decent matches, um, and obviously, the the TV companies will be loving the season, but. Recently, I guess just the main the main feeling with it is that it's been pretty exhausted and I hope, just fingers crossed, it, it doesn't get worse before it gets better. But when you look at those,
2: particularly those next two fixtures, there's a sense that it might. Yeah, I completely get where you're coming from on that, to be honest. I think for myself as well, I work obviously in football. My, my job is to talk about football, to think about Liverpool, I'm doing that anyway you know even even if I wasn't working even if I was off this week it, it wouldn't make it any easier but you know when when we're talking about you know having such a, a privileged position it's it, it's not one that I want to, to complain about because obviously I love my job and there's a lot of people who'd, who'd love to do the, the similar sort of thing to what I get to do every day but it does sort of it makes it makes it difficult at the moment because as you say you know people are feeling almost a little bit disenfranchised and I think that comes from We've sort of just got used to Liverpool being so, so good. It's such a strange feeling now to be in a situation where, you know, they've not they're not even scoring a goal, they're not giving you any sort of joy. And I think that's compounded by the fact that we're all in we're in lockdown, you're not allowed to go out and meet your mates, you're not allowed to do normal things, it's going dark at three, four o'clock in the afternoon, it's wet, it's cold. I think it's all just sort of come at, at the wrong time, hasn't it? It's it's not not the most enjoyable at the moment. And you know, football is football is that one thing that you look at and you think that's your your bit of hope in the week all the way through the week people can be at work they can be you know doing whatever they're doing homeschooling for people at the moment who've got kids and things like that but you know that at the weekend Liverpool are playing and you can look forward to it but at the moment you can't even you can't even look forward to that at the moment you're sort of dreading it because you just don't know what Liverpool's going to turn up
0: I think um, Matt raises an interesting point there about about football sort of during this lockdown. Um I'll just want I just want to get your thoughts on this, Dan, because it's something I, I've thought about. Um sort of Liverpool's Liverpool's form combined with the lockdown, as Matt said, you know, it can it can make for a pretty miserable situation. But you you do kind of you don't want to complain about that too much because you sort of think to yourself that in, in these times, if football, football results are your biggest concern, then maybe you're actually in quite a lucky position. But is that how, how we should look at it? Because football is such a, a big part of all of our lives. And you know, I guess the question I'm trying to ask is do you think it's fair to be miserable about football in January twenty twenty one?
1: Um, yeah, I'd still say it was. I understand completely why people would say it wasn't, because like you say, there are a lot more important things going on in the world. However, us as football people, you know, we've lived and breathed football long before all this happened. Um and as as terrible as this current situation is in so many ways, um, football's still a big part and football's still going on. So while that's happening, it's hard not to be engrossed. Um, obviously, like Matt touched upon, as a Liverpool fan, it's just got slightly worse of late because everything seems to have compiled into one huge, slightly depressing mess. And um, having said that, I'm always uh, glass half full, certainly when it comes to Liverpool. So, although I am cautious about the weekend against United in the Cup, I'm still l- looking forward to it and I still can't wait because. Liverpool, regardless of form, is what gets me through a lot of these weeks when it is a little bit mundane, a little bit slow moving, because there's not much going on in the world. So looking forward to Liverpool is one of the things that gets you through. Um, having said that, like I say, last night in particular, Liverpool could have could have easily disappeared and it wouldn't matter too much because it was gutting and losing the unbeaten record and what have you was, was, was horrible. But you've got to look on the positives Um, and a lot of people haven't even got the likes of football to get them through, you know, people in far worse situations. So it's a difficult one, but yeah, I'd still say what's that quote, football's the most important of the least important things. That's probably about right, I'd say.
0: Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a sensible way of looking at it. Um, So we'll move on now to of the probably the main issue we're going to discuss in the podcast, and a lot of explanations have been offered for how Liverpool managed to go from winning a match 7 0 to failing to score in their next four league games. So, what I wanted to do was sort of get our individual verdicts and which of those explanations that have been offered do we find most convincing? So, I think Matt will start with you on this one. Um, what, what do you put it down to?
2: I mean, there's a lot of things, to be honest. I think the word that I would use in terms of the run itself as a whole is probably a snowball effect. I think there's there's one-off games where you get that sometimes things are, are just not going your way. You, you miss a few chances. You get to sort of 60, 70 minutes and, and suddenly whoever you're playing, well West Brom wasn't it, the first game of, of this run, they suddenly see an opportunity that they can cling on to something and they've got something to hold on to and, they managed to do that against the odds. You know, obviously they sat in, they, they did what they did um, and Liverpool just didn't quite find a way. But at that time, you're sort of thinking, well, it's OK. Um, it, it's a one-off. These things happen. I think a couple of weeks before, they'd drawn with Manchester City. So you're thinking, well, you know, at, at least they've sort of matched the result of, of their title contenders. So it's not the end of the world. But then obviously it goes into a second game and, and a similar sort of thing starts to happen. The pattern is starting to emerge, but you're still thinking at this point, you know, Liverpool are good enough. They'll find a way they'll, they'll just get a scrappy goal. Things will change. It'll all be okay. And of course it wasn't. And then it goes on to a third game. It goes on to a fourth game. And I think that the longer it goes on, the harder it is to turn the thing around. And I think, you know, all Liverpool needed last night was, was Divock Origi to score that goal. I think, I think it was Dan that that said earlier in the podcast, that if Origi scores that goal, Everything changes. You know, we're talking about football in a completely different way this morning. We're looking forward to Manchester United. I think the, the whole mood around Liverpool's camp changes, but you just need that sort of that moment where something goes for you, whether it's you know a chance as obvious as that, whether it's you know, a dodgy penalty, whether it's a deflected goal that just goes in off one of the million crosses that Trent and Robertson put into the box whatever it might be, you, you just need something to click for you and then you come out of it. But at the moment, it, it just sort of, for me, it seems to have snowballed and what was a very minor concern at the start that you thought Liverpool will be able to, to sort of turn that around has suddenly now become something where they're almost overthinking it. They're thinking too hard about finding the, the perfect position. They're not, you know, doing things as, as naturally as what they used to. They're being more cautious. They're being more careful. I think part of that is the lack of, of centre-backs, meaning there's a knock-on effect. The, the full-backs can't do as, as much as what they're used to. The players in front feel they have to play it safe because they don't want to be counter-attacked. But it, it's just, I think, a, a combination of, of so many different factors all coming at the wrong time, compounded with a little bit of luck, compounded that then with you know, the, the fact that it's a few games on the spin where they've lost a bit of confidence more and more each game. And I think it, it will take just a scrappy goal. I think the first goal on Sunday will be absolutely massive. If Liverpool can get it, then, you know, maybe that's the the start of it turning around. But, you know, we've referenced it a couple of times. You look at the fixtures that are coming up for Liverpool and if they're going to turn it around and, and make something really positive out of this season, it, it really has to come quickly because it's really, really difficult to, to sort of come up with a proper explanation of this is wrong and therefore the solution is this because, I just think it, it's so many different factors, and and each one of those factors is is contributing, and they have to put right.
0: Yeah, I think you make a good point, and I have to say I fully agree with the the snowball idea. Um, I've actually I've actually got that that word written down as part of uh, as part of my explanation. And you know, you talked about just needing one thing to go for you, and I think we all would have taken a scrappy goal. I think people were talking yesterday about. Oh, they take a goal going in off Joel Massif's backside. If that's what if that's what it took to uh, end the drought. But to get presented with a chance like that, you know, we literally couldn't couldn't have dreamt up a chance that that was better than that. So it was it was agonising. Um, but yeah, as I say, I just had that has been a snowball effect. And for me, you know, go back to that West Brom game. That game was so annoying for me because. Liverpool are 1-0 up in that game. But you sense from, obviously, the way the game was being commentated on and the atmosphere inside the stadium, and then as a result of that, the performance on the pitch, that there's so much anxiety. It was as if Liverpool were 1-0 down and chasing the game. When, you know, yes, you want the second goal for security, but at the end of the day, you know, you're playing possibly the worst attacking the league, with the exception of Sheffield United, you're at Anfield, you're 1-0 up. If you don't get that second goal, you just got to relax. But then, you know, I think the, the Cursus-Jones error, which leads to the corner, is probably from that kind of loss of composure. And obviously they score from that. And then in terms of that snowball effect, each game gets sort of, there's more pressure on each game. It's more and more important to, to get that win um, in the sort of title race perspective. So then the pressure mounts in that respect, and it's the same principle with the goal scoring. So you have one half passes by against West Brom, then it's a full game against Newcastle with a couple of big Salah misses and some and a Firmino miss as well, and then the drought just gets longer and longer, and it's it's clear to see that the, the effect that that's having on the forward players. You know they've lost all their composure in the penalty area. Um, you know I think I think Firmino's finishing has been really poor for. A long time now, but, you know, Salah, Salah's finishing has, has dipped just as hard at the moment. Um, maybe less so last night, because I think he had um, a decent shot at Pope, but certainly his play in the penalty area has, um, you know, he's lost all his confidence. And it, it is, you know, for me, it is mostly a mental issue. Um I put up a tweet after the match last night saying that Liverpool's biggest victories when they won the title, came down to belief. And, you know, you had players saying they believed for every single minute on the pitch that they were going to win the game. And I think sort of rival supporters would look at that and say, oh, well, obviously they're going to say that. You know, that's just classic player PR. But I think some of the comebacks that were put together were so incredible that you couldn't say that that wasn't the case. But it it just feels really different this season, understandably, but, you know, the players... They don't look like they they have that belief anymore, and they, they they look a bit desperate, and they're not really enjoying their football, and it's just getting more and more difficult by the game. Um So for me, it, ha- it has just snowballed, and um, the confidence sort of across the board is the lowest I've seen it for a long time, and we can't underestimate. Liverpool won the league by miles last season, but we can't underestimate how important the mental edge they had was you know, on top of the football and edge because they were absolutely bulletproof last season, but it's it's unraveling at the moment. And Dan, I kinda wanted to ask you if you what you think of a sort of different interpretation of this because last night while there was a football match on Jamie Carragher spent an hour and a half getting angry about crosses. Um which winds me up because that's Liverpool have put in Cross after cross for you know a couple of years now, and pretty much no team has been able to stop the effectiveness of that tactic. But now there seems to be this consensus that Liverpool are just crossing and hoping. And you know, for me, it's an issue of it's not an issue that we're putting the crosses in, and it's not an issue where we're putting the crosses in. It's it's the quality of those crosses. So I guess the question is, do you think it's a, an issue about Liverpool's tactics, or would you agree with with Mass and I that? it's it's probably more a, a mental issue at the moment
1: i am totally on board with uh you and matt in terms of confidence to look completely void of any confidence altogether Um even Klopp, in some ways seemed a little bit more downbeat about football i think he there was the passion merchant label pinned on him incorrectly for a long time but he does live on passion and he loves his football but i think with no fans and VAR messes and injuries, he just seems really down and that, that might have affected the team, the squad and things aren't great. Uh, in terms of the, the crossing side of things, I we have, we've been unrivalled in terms of effectiveness from crosses um, and I don't really think we need to change that. But last night, even Robertson, who's been far better than Trent, in my opinion, for, for the whole season, really, um, even he was missing his mark with crosses. But Trent in particular, there's something seriously wrong with him of late. Last night, his crossing he must have hit Ben Mee's head 15, 20 times. It was really quite frustrating in the end. And it's strange because in the first five, 10 minutes of that match, we had quite a lot of joy from corners against a huge Burnley side. But as the match wore on, the crosses just got worse and worse. And progressively, we looked less and less effective from them. So I can understand why Cavie got frustrated because obviously I did watching from home. Um, But yeah, in terms of the tactic, I don't think we need to change that necessarily. Things have definitely got a lot slower and I think someone touched upon it earlier, it's caused by the concern by what they've got behind in terms of the defence. I've been banging the Fabinho back in defence drum for weeks now, um, because he's brilliant at centre-half, but I think when we miss him so much in midfield, it's quite scary.
0: I wanted now to kind of step back from Liverpool's media form and and put the sort of twenty twenty one season in perspective. Um, is it a disaster if Liverpool don't retain the title? Um, I've been thinking about this recently, and it's hard to it's hard to have any sense of perspective, especially this season because the games are so relentless. You don't really have time to to step back from it all. But you know, we won the Champions League in twenty nineteen, the Premier League last year. Um, maybe this season is naturally going to be a season where we dip when you consider that the stadiums are empty, which is obviously it's the same for everyone, but it does totally change the dynamics of football. We know that. We've seen that proven. And, you know, let's not forget one of the best defenders in the world, maybe even one of the best players in the world, has been missing for pretty much the whole season. And maybe, you know, the optimist in you says that next season, a more standard season, across the board you know we reassess ourselves and maybe we'll need to evolve to do that um, particularly in attack you know you could argue that it's time to replace one of the front three maybe Roberto Firmino in, in some way um, and maybe maybe a big money sign and will be needed as part of that but if Liverpool don't win the league this season and that is getting harder harder and harder by the game let's face that it, it's going to be pretty heartbreaking obviously but I don't think Liverpool are gonna go anywhere. I think this team is a fac- gonna be a major factor in, in the title race and the Champions League conversation for another another few years at least, um, before it does kind of have to um, you know, before a lot of the big names will probably have, have passed their best. I still think we've got a, a number of years left. Um, so Matt, what do you think? Is am I just is that a poor mentality for me? especially having you know won that first title to you know say it wouldn't be the end of the world if we don't defend it or is that you think that's a sensible outlook I mean can you can you afford to bank on next season
2: I think it, it's certainly not a poor mentality I think it, it's a it's a way that, that you can look at it and you can reason with yourself and say look there's there's loads of good teams in this Premier League. There's loads of teams who have spent a lot more money than Liverpool. There's there's loads of reasons to think that Liverpool wouldn't be able to to win it again. And you know we've seen not many teams over the past few years have been able to win it two years in a row. I think that's you know, the, the sort of beauty of the Premier League. But I think where that is different for Liverpool, there's there's a couple of different ways. I think one is the fact that they won it by so much last season. To to not win it again this season, I think would obviously require a huge drop-off in, in the points. They've already dropped more points this season than than what they did last. It would be a, a huge disappointment to, to not be able to, to build on that in some way, whether that's the Premier League, whether that's the Champions League. I think you know, we're in a, a position um, with Liverpool at this moment in time where they've got almost a unique opportunity that you think this might not come around again, where you've got a team that is good enough to, to basically go for, you know, 90 plus points, three, well, at least three seasons in a row, potentially more. Um, you think of of all the, the quality that they've got, the, the players all over the pitch, the fact that, the, that Jurgen Klopp is at Liverpool at this moment in time, that's not going to be the case for forever. I think it's 2024, isn't it, that, that his contract will run out and we expect him to move on. I think you've got to maximise the opportunity to win things and win big trophies before he moves on because there's there's no guarantee that that Liverpool will stay at, at this level once he's not there obviously we all we all hope that that will be the case but it's very difficult to sustain that so when you you get to the top you have to to, to stay there for as long as you can win as much as you can make the most of that opportunity and you know football does tend to go in cycles so it, it won't last forever there'll be a point in time where, where Liverpool drop off a little bit and. So that just makes the, the bits where you're you're at your best and, and you're on a high and you're, you're sort of riding that wave as important as possible to to sort of continue to, to pick up the medals. So I think for, for this group of players, that would have been something that they wanted. As I say, I, I'm not particularly fussed whether it's the Premier League or the Champions League. I just think they have to, to sort of go, um, at least you know look like winning you know one of those two things if they got to the Champions League final and, and missed out, for example, you can... Can forgive that because it's it's a one-off game. It's one of those things, but I think it would be a shame if they didn't maximise the opportunity. And the other way to, to sort of look at it as well is that Liverpool fans haven't had a proper opportunity to to celebrate the Premier League title last season. I mean, they won it obviously. We all saw that, but we all saw that from you know our living rooms, our kitchens, wherever we were watching it. You know, I was was working at the time, and and it was fantastic to be a part of that. But It wasn't a a proper Premier League title win, if you want. It, It wasn't the same as the year before, where you get a million people on the streets. And Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool have said plenty of times that you know, whenever the pandemic is over, whenever we can all meet up again, we will do so. We'll have a big party. But if Manchester United win the Premier League this season and Liverpool can only have a title parade, maybe October at the earliest, I would have thought, before they can even think about having something like that. It just it wouldn't feel the same. It would feel still like you'd missed out. It would feel like the, the time had passed, really, for, for those sorts of celebrations. And I'm sure the club would still put something on and, and still do that. But I think you'd forever be looking back and thinking, OK, they, they won it, they ended that 30-year drought, but didn't quite feel properly done. And I don't think it'll feel properly done until Liverpool go and do it again at a time when when things are more normal. So I think it, it would have been... A huge opportunity for them, for you know, for, for this season, for those two, for those two reasons. But at the same time, I can see you know your perspective on it is is, is absolutely spot on as well. That there's other good teams in this league, and, and you can't sort of take it for granted. But I think it it would be a massive shame if Liverpool end the season without having winning, without having won anything, or, or possibly if they were to I don't know win the FA Cup or, or something, which even that looks looks to be a, a difficult task. I mean. There would always there would always be a bit that, that sort of looked back and okay you, you accept the achievement you say yeah it was fantastic Liverpool won the Premier League but you'd then be thinking but well, you know the, the big bosses is we, we didn't really get to celebrate it properly.
0: Um, I think that's that's a fair point and you know there was a moment last night where I thought to myself you know maybe Liverpool are just cursed <laughs> obviously there's the Arigi chance but to win the title during during the worst, the worst pandemic since the end of the end of World War one um, and then if that was you know there's a there's a danger that that might be the, I don't want to get too far ahead of, ahead of myself but if that was the the only title of this sort of period then you know you are right Matt that it would it would almost be tarnished when you look back at it and it shouldn't be tarnished and I had a vision in my in my head of a, a trophy parade this year where Liverpool wheel out two different Premier League trophies, um, the one, the replica trophy from twenty twenty, and the real trophy from twenty twenty one, and it drives rival fans absolutely mad because Liverpool are, pretend, are pretending they've won two at once, um, and that that's unprecedented. But um, yeah. I think you talk about Liverpool wanting to put something on If even if another team wins the league. I'm not sure whether they will and I'm not sure whether fans would really want that if Liverpool don't win the title. As much as we all kind of agreed, oh, let's celebrate when the time is right. Um, it won't really feel like the time is right if there's not much to celebrate and if that kind of glory from last year has worn off, really. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I fully take your point that this season was a way to kind of have, almost have that party that we didn't get to have last year and it, that would be a massive shame. Um, Dan, um, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you come in on this as well. Um, you can obviously chime in on the, uh, the idea about putting the season in perspective, but I also wondered if, if you think we should talk about Liverpool now, not necessarily in a title race, but let's talk first of all about Liverpool finishing the top four.
1: Yeah, that's a must. Um in terms of the title race being a disaster and not winning it, I, I don't put it down as a disaster merely because of the circumstances. I think if you'd have asked me this at the start of the season, um, full strength squad, um, you know, without the injuries we've had, without the the controversial decisions we've had and what have you then I'd have probably said yeah if we don't win the league it's a disaster because we were so far clear everybody else last season that we should have we should have took it away from people again but given what's going on right now I don't put it down as one Um because the, the league is a bit of a mess if we're honest across the board in terms of dips in form from everyone and you know shock results here and there and um, but yeah, I think in terms of top four, not getting top four would definitely be a disaster because That would be such a fall from grace, and obviously that has knock-on effects to what we can do next season. Because um, we've, yeah, we all remember the years that we weren't in Champions League. We don't want to be going back there because, you know, a manager and a squad like Jurgen Klopp's assembled that, that the Champions League football squad, you know, the upper echelons of the Champions League as well. It's not just group stages. it's semi-finals and finals as we've seen Um in terms of just to touch on the celebrations obviously from a fan's perspective as well I wouldn't feel right like celebrating last, last season's achievements um, if there was nothing to show for this season as much as I like the idea in practice at the time I think like Matt said if United or, or City or whoever else went and won the league and we then did some sort of celebration. It the moment's passed, as as heart wrenching that is to say, the moment, the moment's gone, unfortunately. Um, having said that, if we went and won Champions League, even the FA Cup, then that's something to celebrate and we can maybe tie things in. But yeah, like I say, top four is an absolute must. It's looking on coming form, it's looking very tricky. I still think we'll come good um in the next couple of weeks even though the fixtures are tough but signing the players who we probably want to sign in the summer because I do think we'll go quite strong in the summer becomes a really tricky thing to do and not only that the the current squad you don't know how many of them are going to turn around and say you're not in the Champions League you know this isn't great and worry not to make it so obviously there's two routes to qualifying: there's winning the thing and Top four, but you can't win the league by thirty points and then um, and then and then not qualify for the Champions League the next season. That's that's unthinkable.
0: Um, I'll ask. I'll bring you in on this one then, Matt. Um, Dan talks about the qualifying route of of winning the competition. Um, can Liverpool win the Champions League? I mean, I think by the time the uh, Leipzig tie rolls around, jossa will be there or thereabouts in terms of. In terms of fitness, um, you know, I, I doubt by the middle of February that Liverpool will be this poor and that they will have started at least to recover some form. That's a very tricky tie. I think it's, it's harder than a lot of people acknowledged it would be. But can we, can we bank on the Champions
2: League maybe as, as a way to sort of redeem this season? I think so. I mean, at this stage, I'm not too worried about Liverpool dropping out of the top four or anything like that. I don't think they're going to have to win it to, to get back into it next season. But I do think it's a, an opportunity for them. I think you look around Europe and it's not just Liverpool who are struggling. You think of the usual contenders for the Champions League. You'd probably have Real Madrid and, and Barcelona right up there in amongst that. I don't think either of them are anywhere near what they've been in the past. I think we've seen Manchester City we know how good they are but they haven't really done it in the champions league either uh, they've had you know one or two moments where they've you know gone through against real madrid or, or whatever it might be but they've never managed to to go all the way and i think if if they're pulling ahead at, at the front of the premier league it would be very difficult for for them to to go and win that as well and um, i think it's an opportunity for for liverpool more certainly the way that the premier league table is is shaping up at this moment in time you would you'd probably say the Champions League is, is Liverpool's biggest chance at this moment in time just because of you know how far back they've fallen in terms of, of the Premier League. And as you say, by the time you get to, to the two Leipzig games, you'd like to think at least Diogo Jota would be back. I mean, God knows who else would be injured by that point. But hopefully one or two others can, can come back. I think that the big consideration in terms of Liverpool winning silverware this season is who gets back, who's back from injury, who can stay fit. How many games do you get Joel Matip in for? Uh, It certainly won't be all of them. I can guarantee you that. But it's then a case of of how many games can you give him? How many games can you give Naby Keita? And even Virgil van Dijk. I mean, the initial sort of uh, feeling was that we wouldn't see him at all for this season. I think that's shifted a little bit in terms of the the sort of minor updates that we've seen so far. I think it's going to be interesting to, to see when he comes back. But if Liverpool could get to a Champions League semi-final, for example, and then potentially you could bring him in. Who knows? You know, we don't know exactly when he's going to be back, but I think there's a few different factors that are going to influence, you know, exactly what Liverpool can do. But, you know, we've seen it before. We know what Liverpool are capable of in the Champions League. And we know also that if they can get through against Leipzig, maybe get a decent draw in the next round, suddenly you're not too far away from from being in another final. So, it's one of those, I think, that the Champions League is is a hugely important thing for Liverpool every season. But I think, you know, particularly the way it's going in the Premier League, if they do, you know, by the time they, they face Leipzig, if they are seven, eight, nine points off the top of, of the Premier League title, then I think potentially that could be something that you'd look at as as almost a saving grace, really, for the season because it would be a massive thing to, to go a long way in that Again, though, the only shame would be that there'd be no fans, I don't think, in the ground for all of those matches. So, yeah, it's uh, it's one of those. I think it, it could be a huge competition for Liverpool. And I think even though they're not playing anywhere near their best at this moment in time, I'd still have them up and in and around the favourites, along with, say, a Man City potentially and, and a Bayern Munich and those sorts of teams. There's no reason why, why Liverpool can't go all the way.
0: Well, I think you're both right um Dan was saying that he's optimist still optimistic for the next couple of weeks maybe against his best of judgment <laughs> um and, uh, and and you're right as well Matt that all hope isn't lost um we can you know Liverpool if Liverpool win at Tottenham next week which is uh, you know in the, the form that we're in especially in front of goal that is a absolutely horrible fixture for us to have but if we win that Then we go to West Ham and get a win there. They're also playing very well this season. We've got Brighton at home after that. I think the mood does start to change and things do change quickly this season. You know, Sal Shard at Man United, for example, he's gone from, you know, some decent rumours of him potentially not being too far away from getting sacked um, to now, you know, being in the title conversation. Um, And it is only the halfway point of the season, so whilst it's hard to find a source of optimism, you know, I think we all, we all sort of realise, with a world-class manager and world-class players, Liverpool will find form eventually. It's just a question, just a question of when they do and whether that comes when it's it's too late to sort of, to, to get something to show for the season. Um, let's move on to the, the last thing we want to talk about in this podcast and that's the Man United game in the FA Cup. Um, we've asked um, all three of us to come up with our sort of preferred starting 11 for the game um I, I'll, I'll go first on this one and then Dan, Dan and Matthew you can sort of say whether you agree with me um I think Dan mentioned that winning the FA Cup would be a source of a source of celebration for us and you know I think a lot of fans would agree with Dan but the way, the FA Cup's been treated during the clap years as almost played down its importance to me and I've almost been conditioned not to put that much importance on it. Um, so I don't think it would be much consolation for a disappointing season and you know maybe that's reflected in the team that, that I've gone for for that United game. So I've gone for Keller in goal. Um, he's not really done anything wrong this season. Um Milner, right-back, just to give Trent a rest. I wouldn't play Williams because I think he could be exposed. Um, I've gone for Phillips and Fabinho as centre-backs. I'd love to rest Fabinho, but um, we don't have the numbers to do that. And Matip needs to be protected for spares. I've gone for Robertson, left-back. Midfield, I've gone for Wijnaldum, Oxlade, Chamberlain and Jones. I I absolutely hate Oxlade, Chamberlain on the wing. Um, so I don't want to see that. And then I've gone for... Shakiri, right wing. Whether he can play three matches in a row, I'm not sure, um, but we'll see. He deserves to on form, I think. I've gone for Minamino, who hasn't fully convinced us, but I'd say is as deserving of a start as any of the of the attackers at the moment. And uh, I've gone for Mane as the resident member of the uh, the full strength front three. So that's my team then, um, Dan. Um, what do you make of that side, and, and what have you gone for?
1: Yeah, it's um, it's not as strong as I would have probably plumped for, if I'm honest. Um, yeah, obviously Mane, like you say, is the resident member of the front three. He seems to be the one that pretty much always features, um, whilst the other two are rotated a lot more. Um, I've gone for slightly different, so I've I've stuck with Allison in goal, um, even though I think Kelleher did really well when he came in um, for those few weeks. And did literally nothing wrong. I still think Allison so commanding in obviously it's United. So and um, but having said that, I've actually gone for Nico Williams right back. Um because Trent needs a spell out the side. Um and only for this weekend, not particularly a lengthy spell, but he definitely needs this weekend off, I'd say. Um and I'm not a massive advocate of Milner at right-back. I think obviously defensively he does everything pretty much right, but I I, I quite like Nico Williams. So I've gone Williams. Um, I've gone Phillips and Matip, at centre-half. Again, I'm banging the Fabinho back into midfield drum. I've actually gone for Tamikas at left-back because similar to Trent at right-back, I think Robertson needs to watch on, only for the weekend. He's been brilliant all season, but if anyone deserves a rest, it's probably him. And then I'm going for midfield three of Jones, Milner and Thiago. Um, Tiago obviously played a lot more um, recently, but I still think he needs to keep playing. I think he needs that run in the side just to get used to the way we play. And, you know, he obviously a short game time for a long time because of his injury. So he's probably one of the fresher ones, I'd say. Um, so yeah, Jones, Milner and Tiago in there. And then I've gone for Salah. On the right, because I can't see Shakiri playing again, and I'm with you on oxlade Chamberlain, um, not on the wing for me, and then Taki in the middle with Mane on the left. So yeah, I think Minamino one in particular, um, and he did really well against Palace, and then just essentially until he came on late last night, he's gone off the face of the earth again. So that's a really bizarre situation. Yeah, I mean, there's a few sort of decisions, isn't there, to make in terms of you know,
2: I think. To be honest, I think we're gonna see in this lineup exactly what Jürgen Klopp thinks of the FA Cup this season. I think we're gonna really sort of get an indication of, of how much he cares about it. And I know it's it's Manchester United, but I think if we see a few changes, I think that will will tell us a lot, regardless of, of whether Liverpool go through or not, just how much he cares and, and how concerned he is with the run, because there's a couple of players that I think Ordinarily, I wouldn't have in there, for example, Sadio Mane. Potentially, I would have, have looked to have given him a rest this weekend looking ahead to Tottenham. But I don't know, given the run of form that Liverpool have been on, whether you can afford to, to make too many changes just because I think the only way you get back into form is, is by playing yourself there. So I've gone with, with Alisson in goal. Um, I think at, at full-back, I think we could see a couple of changes. I think uh, Kostas Simikas is, is one that I've brought back in. Um, I think Robertson... Just just needs a little bit of a rest again, and hopefully gives him a, a full week off, and, and can be at his best against Tottenham. Because I think he's he's going to have to be given the attack that they've gotten. Similar for Trent as well. I've I've gone for Nico, uh right back. I think it would be a, a test for him, but I think it's something that you know you, you're going to have to take at some point if he's going to be a Liverpool player long term. You're going to have to throw him in at some point, and I think. The FA Cup is, is probably the time to do that. I know it's a, a big game, it's Manchester United, but you can sort of balance that up, I think, a, a little bit with the fact that it's the FA Cup um, at centre-back. I think Fabinho has to, to play there. We don't know exactly what's wrong with Jordan Henderson yet. Um, probably find out a, a little bit more today when Joachim Klopp has his press conference. But um, if, if Henderson can play, which I think is probably highly unlikely, then I'd put him at centre-back. Otherwise, I'd be going... <laughs> Rhys Williams over, over Nat Phillips just because I think he's got a little bit more pace. And I think with Manchester United setting up the way they do, I think that could be important. Uh, Curtis Jones is absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with him. He's just for, for some reason not been, been picked. I'm not too sure why that is. I think I suppose you, you've got to manage the, the minutes of a, a young player and, and not put too much expectations on him. I think he did look a little bit tired towards the, the end of, of last month moving into to the new year. So I think he's just been taken out of the, the firing line. He was on the bench last night, but uh, I can certainly see him being in the, the team for the weekend I've got him in there with with Milner and Wan Aldam as a, a midfield three. Um, Tiago, I think, last night didn't didn't do particularly well. I think he looked a little bit tired, a little bit off it. And uh, there's an argument I think to, to say that Manchester United away is a game where you probably want Tiago to to be on the pitch. But I think there's there's a few different arguments for for him being in there over the next few weeks. And I think Manchester United is just not as important, for example, as as Tottenham or, or games to come. So. I'd uh, I'd drop him out I'd, I'd have him on the bench 100% and, and maybe if you need someone to to change the game on 60-65 on maybe he's one who could do that but uh, I certainly don't think I'd be, be putting him in the starting 11 and the front three it's a little bit harsh on, on Minamino but I'd, I wouldn't have him in there I'd go with the the usuals I think Salah and Firmino are pretty much nailed on the fact they didn't start yesterday says that they will start at the weekend and and sadio Mane, as I say, I think you need to, to have him in there to, to try and play Liverpool back into form. So I think it's it's stronger than I would have liked. Uh, but I think that's that's forced really by the fact that Liverpool haven't been playing well and and the only way really that you can play yourself back into form is is by putting these players on the pitch. So hopefully some sort of lineup like that where you, you rest a couple of players but but generally keep it broadly speaking the same. I think hopefully that's enough to, to at least get Liverpool know one or two goals and, and sort of see where they go from there because as we keep saying it's a it's a big period and you need your big players scoring and, and firing on all cylinders if possible.
0: So quite a lot of variation there um in the lineups and uh, I think Salah and Firmino being rested from the start yesterday, as you say Mass probably does suggest they will play. Um whether they whether they should is um arguably another matter but We'll see how strong Klopp goes and as you say that will illustrate how um, much of a priority he thinks the FA Cup is this season and we'll obviously have to see how strong um, Solskjaer goes as well because um, Man United are very much in the title race as much as it paid me to admit it so whether the FA Cup will fall down his list of priorities um, and potentially Bruno Fernandes um, will, will get rested which will I think whether he plays will have a big bearing on the game, but that is pretty much it for this episode. Um before we wrap up, I just wanted to give Matt, like I will, all our guests, an opportunity to plug any content that he's got um, got coming up. Um, I'll put your, um, your Twitter um, information in the episode description, Matt. But if you want to, um, if you've got any articles that um, you're, you're going to be posting soon um, and you'd like people to have a read, then and now's your chance to, uh, to advertise that.
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, there's, there's loads of things that we've got got planned coming up. Obviously, it's a difficult time for, for Liverpool at this moment in time, but there's a few, uh, few different bits coming up. We're going to be taking a look uh, next weekend and then the week after at certain contract decisions. I think there's a few big things. I know Dan mentioned before, he thinks it might be a big summer in the transfer market for Liverpool. We'll be taking a look at that over a couple of different shows. And, I think it's a really, really interesting situation. There's a lot, I think, nine players who Liverpool could do with offering new contracts to sooner rather than later. I think that's going to, you know, obviously Mohamed Salah is is one of those over the next sort of few months that I think we we possibly might see with a new deal and that's going to be very expensive. So we're going to take a sort of wider look at at the summer and the contract situation, where Liverpool need to go next, what the priorities should be in terms of, of new deals. Is it Salah? Is it Fabinho? Is it Van Dijk? where do you sort of go with that alongside of course all the the usual content that we have uh, on the echo so we'll be uh keeping up to date with with all the press conferences all the the matches that are coming thick and fast and, and hopefully uh, you know over the next sort of few weeks we get a, a few more decent results and, and can start looking back at a title race can can start looking forward to, to the champions League as well we've got few different bits planned for for when the Leipzig games come around, and of course there's there's plenty of big games to sort of get through before then. But I think that's you know certainly something um, with the the Red Bull links and, and that sort of thing that I'm really looking forward to. So yeah, plenty of stuff to to get involved with, and just yeah, check out our our Blood Red YouTube channel and you know stick across our, our Twitter and, and social networks because whatever we do, you'll see it all posted there. Well,
0: thanks very much for for that, Matt, and thanks for the coming on, um, in these, in these trying times. Um, that's going to be, that's going to be all for, for this episode. Um, we'll be back next week to talk about how Liverpool demolished Tottenham in a emphatic return to form and how they're going to win the league again, because that's how quickly, that's how quickly football changes. So, um, thanks for joining us for this first episode and we'll see you next week.